and organic, carbon-based women. Definitely not artificial intelligence. Otherwise, we'd have to call it Two Bots, One Podcast. Haha! <laughs> Humor creates positive emotions. And now, here are your synthesized vocal subroutines. I mean hosts, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. This is Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie, if you had to pick a dance move you would do to our theme song, what would it be? Oh, I mean, I know exactly what it would be, but I can't show the listeners. This is a podcast. You just said that. It's a podcast. (laughs) Does it have a name? Is it like the sprinkler? No, my my moves don't have names. I mean, I should name them, but they don't have names. I do a little brush the shoulder off in my mind every time our theme song comes (laughs) Mm, on. I see. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked me just because you wanted to answer. Well, I was thinking I dance to it every time, (laughs) but we've never talked about it. (laughs) Well, you should just do it. You should just go for it. You should just announce your moves. You know, you don't need permission for your moves. Nobody needs permission for their moves. That's the lesson of the day. I feel like you're Patrick Swayze and I'm baby and this is like dirty dancing. (laughs) <laughs> this is exactly what this is. All right. You hear that, listeners? You don't need permission to do your dirty dancing. Just do it <laughs> to our theme song. Anyway. I have a story for you that is tangentially related to today's topic. Ooh. Okay. Do you want to tell it first? or we sh- Should we tell the topic first or you want to tease it? No, I'm going to tell my story first. Oh, okay. All right, girl. You don't need <laughs> permission. Okay? Go. I don't need permission. Okay. So I saw David Blaine this weekend, guys. What? And for those of you who don't really? know. He is a magician, but like not really. He's more of a freak. Um, so I believe <laughs> An illusionist. That, I believe that he there are two options to what I saw. Okay, so first of all, he began his act by sewing his goddamn fucking lips shut. He took a needle and nope. thread and he uh, No, I'm out. Guys, I'm gonna, sewed, I'm gonna get going. His lips I can't, shut. Uh, I can't stay shut. for this one. He sewed him shut. Now People I've talked to are like, it's an illusion, Ellie. He didn't really sew his lips shut. There was a camera zoomed in on his fucking lips and volunteers on stage, and he shoved a needle through his goddamn lip and then threaded it through and kept, he sewed his mouth Ellie, shut. Ellie, I just have a quick question. How many stitches? Two. Two, oh, okay. Through the bottom, through the top, through the bottom, through the I top. I could deal. And then tied it okay. off. Okay. I believe he did it. Oh, my God. And then. And that, that's our show this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Matt is so gross. Then, <laughs> And then he took an ice pick and shoved it through his bicep and had a volunteer push his skin on the other side so that the ice pick could come through. Okay. It was disgusting. Now, I want to go back to my two theories. There are two theories for what happened. What do you want to say, Jack? I I might be out. That that was all. But I'll I'll remain. I will remain here. All right. There are two theories. One theory, men in black is real. He is an alien wearing a person casing. That's your right. Also, he didn't. He did not bleed. He did not bleed. I don't know mm-hmm. what more evidence you need of aliens than the fact that he sewed himself. If you prick me, do I not bleed? Shakespeare. Okay. If you're not human, then you yeah. don't bleed. If you're human, then you bleed. My second theory is that Harry Potter is real, and he is like a hack wizard from the magic world who's like doing tricks for Muggles. It's one or the other. This brings me to today's topic. Do you know? You, you've, you know. Why. Do you want to share today's topic? Well, 
Today we're talking to somebody who has created a podcast and you're probably like, why the F would you put somebody else's podcast on your podcast? Uh, it's a really yeah, valid but question. It's an AI generated podcast. So it was created by artificial a- intelligence. E- yeah. Yes. It is not it is hosted by a not human. But it was created by a human. Like David Blaine. That's right. Not a human. We're going to be talking to the creator of Sheldon County. It's called this AI-generated podcast. But Ali, what is the connection between... Okay, we're talking about not human and AI. Is that the connection? Yeah, they're not human. <laughs> okay. We're, we're talking to... We're, we're going to talk all about a podcast that is hosted by a not human. And I saw a whole show by a non-human. Do you, could he be AI? Yeah, that's the third option. You're right. The third option is that he is just like a robot with silicone, silicon skin. Like he looks human, but he's not human. Hmm. And neither is the host of this podcast we're going to talk to. He's a robot from the future who has come back in time. And instead of saving humanity from itself, he's just here to do magic. That's a theory. I hope that's that. I hope that's that's theory number yeah, I three. I hope that's what all, all robots should just be doing magic in the future. Yeah, if you're not going to kill us, entertain us with your <laughs> skills. I, I'm super interested I'm in. in. We're going to get into it, obviously, with James, uh, the creator of this podcast. But he is uh, responsible for programming what he's calling like expressive technology or expressive artificial intelligence. And I think for us as artists, we've had so many conversations about, well, you know, as artists, we're going to get to keep our jobs even when the robots take over because we'll have to teach them emotion. <laughs> no, no, we'll be the last to be replaced well, and then we'll true. be replaced. We but now I replaced. think we're not going to be last. We might be in mid-range. Well, maybe in the storytelling <laughs> respect, but I don't know, in terms of teaching like um, behaviors and like how to show emotion via your behavior i I think we're going to stick around for a while hopefully well you you should uh can you guys explain the nature of the podcast because i I read a little bit about it when you sent it over and it's like it's sort of procedural storytelling in podcast form is that accurate so it's it's a synthesized voice it's not a real human voice um and the way it works from what i gather is that there's a website where you plug in a random number ali stop me if i'm wrong here but you plug in a random number and it generates a story that is different for every single person who plugs in a number. Um, And I think the program is pulling upon uh, different characters and personalities and uh, plot twists and things like that. You know what we should do? What? Let's let's listen. Let's show, not tell. Let's listen. (laughs) Listen, not tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Let's listen to a little piece. It's creepy. It's creepy AF. This is your very own Sheldon County. County number 1,515,459,074. Episode 2, The Good Stuff. This is the spot. This right here is the perfect spot. Lots of acreage. Enough, at least. At least enough. Enough to make enough. It's empty. Except for the good stuff, of course. There's enough of that, no doubt about it. Enough of what he needs. Enough of what brought him here. Ooh, 
that was creepy AF Allie. That was AIAF. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> artificial AF? It was, that, is that yeah, a new artific- that the kids can use? AIAF. <laughs> so like you are the only person that will hear that version of it. But then, yeah, it's some kind of mystery podcast. He's comparing whatever the procedure is behind it, which we definitely are going to find out more about, to being akin to a massive Excel spreadsheet where all of the characters, possible plot twists, relationships, personality traits, everything is listed. And then there's some sort of random generator that creates a different story each time. Got it. Just like this podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> exactly. We just throw it in a spreadsheet and uh, whatever yeah. comes out. I'm very intrigued by this because it sounds a lot like procedural generation in gaming. Uh, Minecraft, for example, is a very is the big one where it's a uh, the number is a seed. So if I type in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or if I type in you know balloon party or something, some random string of words into Minecraft, it will generate a world based on a ra- it's a random number generator. Right, right, right. Well, this is what we talked about in No Man's Sky in the episode mm-hmm. about. Exactly. Archeo gaming, which I hadn't known about, but that these worlds are generated by technology and the fact that like, um, so listeners, you can go listen to our Archeo gaming episode, but basically archeologists are exploring video game worlds because they are generated by, by algorithms. And so even the people who made them don't necessarily know what's in the field. I kind of want to do this for my life. I was, I was thinking about it. Like, I just want to plug in all the people, their personality <laughs> traits, all the possible outcomes into a spreadsheet. I want to hear like stories around what could happen for me to envision the future. I think you could go see a psychic for that. <laughs> I feel like this Jen, have more you ever surefire. seen a psychic? <sighs> I, I think I have had my palm read. Is that a psychic? I guess so, right? It's different, but it's totally related. I've never How'd that go for you? Oh, it was years ago. In fact, I think it this is gonna sound terrible, but I think it was like in a bar. Like it was like just a random psychic in a bar. It was like, let me read your palm, kid. I will say I've had experiences with psychics and mediums, but nothing has ever played out in a profound way in my life where I remember what they told me. How about you? No, I've never been. I've never been. But I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Just because why not? You know what I mean? I've been thinking. Yeah, YOLO. Maybe I'll go see a psychic, see what they say. Yeah. It'll be creepy if they tell me things that come true. <laughs> I want to know if you've ever, ever had a psychic experience. Tweet us at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. And at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-E-R. Matt, have you ever seen a psychic? No. <laughs> I know. You'd be the last person I'd expect to see a psychic. A stranger's going to enter your life, and you're going to be changed forever. That's going to come true. It's like, yeah, well, that happens every single day. Every week. <laughs> yeah. It came true, guys. Hey. It's real. Yeah. Well, Jen also is, Jen, you're really into horoscopes, and that's my issue with horoscopes, where I don't understand how they can tell a whole swath of people that, like, you're going to have great luck and love this month and your business is going to take off like everyone born in February that's going to go happen like that doesn't make sense to me yeah well of course not but Jen this is just for funsies this you're not you're not looking at horoscopes thinking that they actually mean anything right? <laughs> that was right. such a leading question Matt right such a leading question. but plenty, right? of pe- plenty of people are into it I'm sure a lot of our listeners of are into it yeah Jennifer explain explain uh I think it's really cool that astrology has been around for so long. And so I do think there's something to kind of 
I don't know what the what's the ideas around it that have de- been developed over the years, how uh, the what's happening in the cosmos influences our lives. But I don't believe in it as like a science. And yeah, it is kind of, it's mostly for fun. Well, I mean, of course, it isn't science. No, no, <laughs> I don't look at it, uh, you know, thinking it will actually determine what's going to happen in my life. But I find it really interesting. And sometimes the things do ring true. Um, occasionally it's been like a little eerily so, uh, depending on the month or whatever. So yeah, I, yeah, I do for fun, Matt, for fun. Don't worry. Got it. Got it. You you know what else has been around for a long time? What's that? Slavery. (laughs) We're not comparing. Whoa, that just got fucking dark, Matthew. Go back to your corner. Yeah, he's Although you make a really just, valid point that it's still happening in a lot of places and people don't talk about that. Oh, my my point is just that just because something is old and uh, has been a lo- no, around I mean, a get long your time point. in human history. <laughs> Got it. We're with you. Point Got taken. It. I like uh, yeah, getting on this topic of like telling the future, you know, one way through astrology or another way through data or AI of like, I think you hit it on the head, Jen, of like putting all your the facets of your life into a spreadsheet and then... Uh, to make a decision of like, what do I do in my life at this point? And so is there a computer program where you can dump all of the fa- the factors of a decision into a spreadsheet and then AI can tell you like, mm, well, there's a 75% chance you should choose this because X, Y, Z. It's oh, a little pie in the happen. sky, but I don't I don't think we're too far away from that. That's when the therapists get replaced. Oh God, there you go. or the life coaches. I hope we're not too far away from that. I could really use that. I think we all could. But man, <laughs> I am a, the worst decision maker about everything, so. I think most people are really bad at decision yeah. making. We're, we're terrible yeah. at it. I'm fantastic at decision making, which is not necessarily <laughs> yeah. a good thing. I'm like, let's do this thing immediately, right now. Great, let's do it. And that's not necessarily a good thing, but I'm great at making decisions, except for food. Food, I could spend hours like, do I get the chorizo? Like, I mean, yes, chorizo is always the answer, but like, I could spend a long time debating between my tacos. Well, I think something <laughs> like what we're talking about would probably just give you all the possible outcomes. But Matt, do you think it would actually give you percentages around which one you should choose? Like it would be more likely to be successful or? Yeah, I think that's exactly yeah, I the think kind if of you have enough, give. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's hard to think about this in terms of like meaningful human life decisions, but yes. I generally think if you have enough data about anything, uh, you can make the best decision, or a, a, excuse me, a computer can make a best the best decision based on the data, and or it can inform a human's decision uh, in the best way. And I think we see that in a lot of systems that are in play now and uh, will happen in the future. And that actually brings me right to today's trivia. Oh man, I'm so ready for I didn't trivia even plan today. That. I'm so I didn't ready. plan that. I know you did. Can I say one more thing about what we were talking about, just really yes. quickly, and it Please won't do. be a tangent. Yes. Um, I just think. It depends. I think it'd be really hard to program into technology like what the measure of success is around the decision. You know, how how would it determine what's best? Because for every individual, that's going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah, I agree. Okay, that was my only other thought. I agree. Also, I think that like taking that human component out, like, yeah, it just doesn't work because it goes back to other conversations we've had around, yeah, the probability of something that's known versus something that's unknown and new. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Totally, it does. And I think I, I am of the mind that most things are quantifiable, but then I think what you're getting at is like, well, I could take this choice and it will be 95% the best choice for XYZ quantifiable reason, but will it make me happy? Well, that's a, that's a different human question that you, the person, have to decide 
uh, amid those other factors. Like, yes, this job is 99% the best job for me to take, but am, is it the one I want to, to take? Maybe that's the human decision to still right. be made there, right? I was thinking about, also about our conversations with art, where it's like algorithms will be able to tell you what art would go viral, but that doesn't um, factor in just the brand new crazy ideas that... You know what I mean? That you wouldn't mm-hmm. think about. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Great. We're all on the same page. Trivia. <laughs> yeah. Trivia. Well, today's trivia is about AI. It's connected to today's topic and really a lot about what we're talking about, a very quantifiable system known as Hong Kong's subway. Uh, the subway system in Hong Kong is one of the most efficient in the entire world, and that is due in large part to the nightly maintenance on its tracks, which is overseen by AI. According to a 2014 article in New Scientist, after all the trains stop running in Hong Kong, uh, there's an AI system that simulates the entire subway system, and it figures out the best schedule for repairs. And so it has this omniscient view of the entire city, uh, and it looks for ways to combine work and share resources, and it tells the humans, it's actual human engineers, but it says, okay, we have these problems, and if two engineers go here and three engineers go here, those issues will be solved most efficiently. It's like this AI overlord that manages the entire maintenance of Hong Kong's subway system. This makes it an extremely efficient system and the question of the day is how efficient is it meaning are they 50% efficient 90% efficient uh, at being on time I should say when compared to non AI run like it's you know it's like 50% more efficient than New York subway system or is it like how on time are the trains 100%? Exactly. The, the scale would be if every single train in the system arrived exactly on time all the time, that's 100%. As trains miss their mark by certain amounts of time, your, your percentage get le- gets less. So it's not a comparison. It's a, it's a holistic view of how on time are Hong Kong subway trains because of this uh, AI system. Now, you guys have yes. unionized and oh. begged for multiple choice. I can give That's you multiple right. choice. That's right. But yeah, give us multiple choice. This is a lot less difficult than other weeks trivia, but I I, st- I want to get this uh, st- uh, practice in place right now. So let's do it. <laughs> okay. How on time are Hong Kong's subway trains? Are they a eighty-seven point seven percent on time? B ninety-five percent on time? Or C, 99.9% on time. Can I phone a friend? I, <laughs> is that friend, friend Sally, me? You, may. You, you are my only friend. Jen, I think it's 99.9. I think it's 90 point. Because I feel like, because what I was thinking before there, were, there, before there was multiple choice, thank you. I was thinking it's either super fucking high or super low. And they're working right. on it. I'm going to go with right in the middle, 95. It was a good year, 95. Let's do it. I'm going with C, 99.9. All right, we're going to find out the correct answer after the break. We have a Patreon where you can contribute to the show, which is so, so helpful to us. It's patreon.com slash 2G1P. And at a certain tier, we thank you on air. So now is our time to thank you, Melissa Elliott and David M-C-G-U-I-G-A-N. We're having a debate whether it's David McGuigan. Or David McGuigan. McLaughlin? No, not McLaughlin. McGuigan. McGuigan. Right, sorry, he sorry, sorry, David, sorry. let us know how you say it, and we'll say it again. We promise. David McGuigan, Melissa Elliott, 
Thank you. McWeegan. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now a real advertisement entitled, Wanted, four or five people to hunt Bigfoot from the internet's largest repository of Sasquatch knowledge, Craigslist.org. Looking for four or five people willing to go look for Bigfoot. If you have game cameras or, or, or even night vision video recorders and would like to spend a few days in the woods looking for Bigfoot, I've recently found a print in the mud while out fishing. Can text a pic to you for prof or, or even go to the location if you are interested. Please call only 802-525-7060 or 802-323-4864. Call anytime off day or night. Uh, wow, psychics and Bigfoot. This is quite an episode, y'all. Yeah, that <laughs> seems really relevant. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in too. All right, Matt. We're chopping at the bit here. What do we got? <laughs> what is happening with this trivia? Trivia answer. You guys got your first multiple choice. Uh, we're talking about Hong Kong's subway system, which is managed by an AI. Uh, an AI overlord sends engineers into the tracks to conduct maintenance, and this makes Hong Kong's subway system incredibly efficient. Their trains are really on time compared to other subway systems. Uh, we had a multiple choice. Jen, you said that they are 95% on time. And Allie went big. She said 99.9% on time. You know what, Jen? There were only three uh, answers. So moving forward, when we both get it wrong, we, we're really getting it wrong. I know. <laughs> Be careful what you wish uh, for about multiple choice. No, I want this multiple choice. I want it. But got it. there's a really por- important fact that we don't know, which is what is the efficiency of other subways? Because if the New yes, York so subway I, is like 40% efficient, then I would have gone with a lower number. So I did look up the stack because I knew you'd be interested. Okay. Uh, we all have rode the New York City subway many times, and it fucking sucks yeah. pretty much all the time. Uh, as of January 2018, the New York City subway on time percentage hit a new low at 58.1% wow. on time. 58.1 actually makes me want to say that Hong Kong's is just in the 80s, and that's still amazing. Wow. But whatever, I'll stick with my answer. I'm going to keep my answer 95% just because Hong Kong's really cool. I wish I could have phoned a friend because I have a friend who lives there, guys, or who live there. Um, mm. But whatever, we'll we'll get phone a friend in the future. Just keep unionizing. I, I think it might be lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We will get phone a friend in the future for sure. We will because we're in agreement here, Jennifer. <laughs> I say Jennifer when I'm like faux serious. And then otherwise it's jammies. Um, so, yeah, I think actually it's probably lower, but I'll stick with my 99.9%. The answer is C, 99.9. Oh, my fucking God. I just want it trivia. Allie. And also, holy shit, it's 99.9. Wow. New York oh, City, can you that. fucking well, get on it and use some fucking AI? 50, almost half. If you get on a train, it's a fifth, almost a 50-50 shot that it will definitely be late. That's New York. And Hong Kong is like pretty much 100%. That's amazing to me. Could you imagine how you would just breeze through life? Like there's always like a warm breeze blowing in Hong Kong. <laughs> Life is good. The food tastes better. Like everything is better. Life must just I be just better. I just feel like 
It, w- it would be better because think about, like, you start your day and then you're like, oh, shit, I'm late again. I should have left earlier, blah, 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 blah. And it st- sets off this whole spiral of events. As a frequently late person, too, there is, like, this whole psychology that develops around being late where you constantly feel like you're not living up to, like, what you're supposed to. It's terrible. But also there's always, like, that one time that you're early that then, like, sets you up to be late for the next 20 times. As, as, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. as you know, totally. I'm also a late person. Jen and I are always <laughs> one of us. We do a pretty good job of one of us being on time and the other one being late, but then we are both late an equal number of times. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Fun fact about me and Allie on the subway is that whenever we ride the subway together, we get lost. (laughs) It's weird. When we're on our own, we're fine. But when we're together, we're talking so much, we get lost. When I'm on my own, I have a 0% rate of getting lost. When we're together, we just kind of assume the other one is paying attention. We just like walk Mm -hmm. on the subway going uptown when we're going downtown. It makes no sense. Probably says, it says a lot about us. (laughs) Well, I like this theory about the lateness culture of like, New York's a tough town. Like you gotta, you gotta be uh, a tough person to live and survive. Everything in New York. is fucking tough every day. But then is is that because the 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 infrastructure of the city is so shitty that everything is broken and late, and that just makes us angrier and meaner? That's definitely a big part of it. I'm gonna say ninety five percent. It's part of it. <laughs> it's just like so. I'm here in San Francisco now, and I keep finding that I like. I find time because my brain is still in New York mode where I'm like, okay, well, it might take me 20 minutes to get there. It might take me 45. Then the line's going to be 20 minutes. I'm not going to be able to find what I want. Someone's going to get mad at me. I don't have my receipt, whatever. And then it's like 20 minutes later, my errand is done. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, what do I do with the two hours that I planned for this? (laughs) The other day I was getting a coffee. And as I just mentioned, I'm really great with decisions unless it comes to food or drink. So I thought I just wanted a regular coffee. And then I got to the front and I saw the long list of teas. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. And shit. And so I'm like getting really nervous. I'm like, oh, I'm taking so much time. There's like a line forming. Like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she goes, take your time. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm from New York. And that doesn't make any sense to me. And she goes, oh, I can yell at you if you want. Hurry the fuck up. <laughs> and I said, thank you so much for making me feel at home here. Yeah. I think the best way to describe it here is a grind, which a lot of people say, and there's no opportunity to be zen, which is hard for people like me who like to be zen. (laughs) I don't want to get into this now, but like, uh, it doesn't explain why. Like, what is it about a certain place and culture that is grindy? And what is it about another place that is more calm and and patient? I think it's size. I think it's size. Like San Francisco hmm. feels like a tiny sleepy town after New York. Yeah, the, I think you you're onto something though about the infrastructure. I think that mm, will play a gigantic part. Right, but when you have a very large city, then infrastructure is difficult. L.A. and New York are are they the largest population wise? Uh, oh, guys, in the fact check us. But I think yes. L.A. is also kind of difficult in how large it is. I think things being right. large makes like, it, you know, just makes errands difficult. You're running into a lot of people, blah, 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 blah. But it's also like amazing. Like you feel so alive in those places. Agreed. I feel very alive, but very stressed out. Anywho. <laughs> well, everybody, it is officially time. We are so excited to have with us right now, James Ryan, the creator of the AI generated podcast, Sheldon County. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to join this little virtual studio. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to have you, even though I can't see you and don't know where you are. But I hear Just, you're in a carpeted room. <laughs> I am in a carpeted room. The floors are carpeted, not the walls. Not the, the walls. Record. Yes, this as we established out here. 
<laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, so, James, in your own words for our listeners, can you tell us what is Sheldon County? Sheldon County is a podcast that's unique for each listener. So my project is one of developing a set of computer programs such that when some prospective listener says, I want to hear this unique podcast thing, those computer programs can be set in motion to generate a podcast series that is unique for that listener. Uh, But that's really only half the story. So the other half of the story pertains to the subject of this show. So every show is called Sheldon County. Each one is about a place called Sheldon County, but that place is different each time. So I've developed a computer simulation of an American county that begins with an empty county and then simulates day by night by day by night everything that happens in that county. And in doing so, it's creating like this little world, this little story world, and that's what's actually being recounted in somebody's unique podcast series. So it's not just that everyone's hearing a unique series in terms of what is said, it's that each series is actually about a world that was uniquely created just for that listener's listening pleasure. Wow. I would love to take it back just a little bit for our listeners and hear a little bit about your research and how you ended up developing this podcast at all. This podcast that is replacing myself and Jen. Yes. So that, that's not my mission. We can get to that later, of course. Um, sure it's background. not. That's what they all say before they take over. Yeah, and then Skynet, yeah. Um, so my background g- growing up, uh, I always gravitated far more strongly to the arts, humanities, social sciences. Uh, Then, for instance, the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, In undergrad, I ended up majoring in linguistics, the study of language itself, because I love language. Uh, But something happened shortly after I graduated when I was 25, which is that I learned to program. Um, I was basically in a professional context where it would be beneficial to learn to program. And when I did, it totally changed everything for me. It changed me, it changed how I viewed the world. And for the first time ever, I knew that uh, there was something I wanted to do for sure for the rest of my life, and that was to computer program. Uh, But even right at the beginning, I was interested in what is sometimes called creative coding. So I was interested in in coding uh, for expressive and creative projects. So I figured if I was going to get good at that and receive mentorship, it would be in grad school. And so I started looking at grad programs across the world that were doing uh, particularly artificial intelligence for creative purposes. And uh, it ended up that within a year of learning to program, I ended up at the University of California, Santa Cruz with this research lab called the Expressive Intelligence Studio. And uh, our you know, shoot to five years later, I'm finishing up now in this PhD program, but I'm in this research lab that uh, is dedicated to exploring the potential of artificial intelligence for art, entertainment, and design. So this project, Sheldon County, as wild and weird as it may be, is like totally par for the course with regard to this research lab that I'm a part of. Sorry, I'm just digesting that. I know. <laughs> that was a lot that just happened. Okay, can you tell us more about this like creative coding idea? What the fuck are you talking about? So the idea is coding is just a kind of literacy 
just like writing is a kind of literacy. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone to learn to program. So I'm illiterate. The, you're illiterate. <laughs> Me too. You're, you're uh, procedurally illiterate would be would be the phrase. But that's fine. A lot of people are in this day and age. Um, I think in the future, fewer people will be uh, because it's just a basic kind of literacy. So just like with writing, you can inscribe artistic intents, you know, by writing a novel or through speech, you can inscribe artistic intents by voicing a podcast. Um, programming is just a different kind of basic uh, technology of literacy where you can inscribe artistic intent through programming, um, but it enables different kinds of artistic artifacts. Uh, instead of the novel, you have some kind of system that works in some kind of way. And uh, just like writing, there's all different kinds of genres of writing. There's all different kinds of genres of creative coding. So there's video games, there's AI generated podcasts, um, and all sorts of different things. So for AI specifically, what mediums so far have you seen the artistic intent be expressed most effectively through? Is it podcasting or what other ways is this being done? I actually am not aware of any other uh, effort in the way of okay. podcasting okay. with AI. Jen, you know what I have I to say about him? What? <laughs> He's a pioneer. You are a pioneer, James. <laughs> I, I say this about everyone we talk to because they're doing some weird ass shit. Okay, so podcasting, right, go on, right. go on. <laughs> yeah, so that's part of what I like about this project is no one else is doing it. Um, there was a weird German radio drama in the 1960s that incorporated computer generated text and synthetic speech. Um, so that's like the only thing even close that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. But as far as AI being used in other creative ways, um, since AI has existed, since computers have existed, people have been trying to generate computer poetry. They've been trying to generate stories that are told by computers. Uh, computer music has a really long history. Procedural music has a history that goes back even before computers. Um, as far as the most effective applications, I think there's some pretty cool computer poetry. I think there's some pretty cool procedural music. Um, one thing that's happening right now is people are exploring the idea of uh, algorithmic scoring. So like a video game whose score, its musical score, is composed on the fly according to what's happening. Oh, that's cool. I thought you were gonna go with the fact that there's there's some startups now where it's like AI will compose the music for your corporate video, and I thought that's where you were gonna go, which is so much less cool. <laughs> no, um, I think the coolest would be like live performance, like a stage play that is algorithmically, uh, score is composed for that, or like improvisation that is scored algorithmically. That's right that up our alley. Yes, Jen and I could yeah. use that. We could use that. How good is AI at storytelling and how dependent upon humans? Can you talk a little bit about the process as related to Sheldon County too? Yeah, great question. It's in, uh, incredibly dependent on humans. So one thing I would like to express and I hopefully articulate clearly is that um, in Sheldon County or in any of these kinds of projects, there's still a ton of human authoring that's happening. It's just a different mode of human authoring. Instead of like directly writing the script of a podcast, for instance, or coming up with it improvisationally as, as the recording is transpiring like we're doing here, instead of that, I'm authoring the elements. Uh, rules, the elements and then the rules for how they can be fit together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, you could have a computer just like automatically tell a story um, by like feeding it a bunch of stories and then having it try to find the patterns and then 
tell a new story that uses those patterns, the results would be horrible. Um, I mean, you can find these online. They're, they're maybe entertaining or um, evocative in a, in a weird way because it's like looking into the scary mind of a computer, but they don't stand up at all to uh, human authored ones. I like to believe you because I'm a human person, but what okay, happens yeah. when the AI gets so advanced that it takes over? Like right now you need a human to control it, but like later you probably won't, right? So the fundamental issue is computers are really dumb and they're very right now. <laughs> no, this is uh, actually like due to the paradigm of computation. Like the way computers work is they can only do what they're told. So to make a computer do something it hasn't been told to do, you actually need to incorporate a kind of like randomness. Otherwise, it's just going to literally follow the rules exactly and in the same order every time. So I'm personally very skeptical about this like Skynet future where uh, computers become not even sentient, but like highly capable mm -hmm. of doing things that humans do much better currently. Okay, so you're optimistic that the robots are not going to take <laughs> over Two Girls, One Podcast. Yeah. I'm incredibly optimistic um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. I don't think the robots could, and I don't think people would want to hear the robot version. Yeah, I do talk a lot about Tinder, and like I don't know that the robots are Tindering, so there's that. Later when the robots start dating, then it'll be entertaining. Everyone will yeah. really want to know about robot dating. And actually, there are, Jen and I watched some disturbing videos this week about sex with robots. So Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. I'm more of a skeptic, I, James. I also wanted to add okay. that I do think anyway. you need an audience to tell a story. <laughs> so you need to be telling it to someone. So human, humans would be necessary in that respect. And we I tell agree. stories right. to evoke emotions and experiences to connect with other people. So I'd be interested to know how robots would just use stories on their own or AI, you know, just to connect with each other, what that would mean. <laughs> yeah, that actually, I think is an interesting, that's really evocative, like robots telling weird robot stories to other robots. <laughs> About how they were created or, yeah. <laughs> right, like whatever they need. I'm in that, the fetal position them. right now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to listen. It's not for you. No, I'm kidding. So I so I listened to some of the podcasts. I want to do an impression for you of your own podcast. Ah, wow. Okay. Oh, man. All right. This is the spot. <laughs> this, this is the spot right here. This is the spot. Does that not give you nightmares? <laughs> Do you, you have nightmares kind of about really good at voice acting. I do. Don't do you have nightmares about your own podcast? Because I do. I've been so excited to talk to you, but also I want to talk about my nightmares, James. Wow. No, I don't have nightmares about my own podcast. I, I don't even kidding. know if I can because I'm like too yeah. involved. Um, Is there an end to the number of versions that it could generate or no? Millions of people could check out your podcast and they would all get a version unique to themselves. There is a finite number. It's funny what that is. It's actually just the number of integers uh, the computer that will generate it can represent. So you know when you hear there's like a 32-bit oh, wow. uh, okay. or a 64-bit or uh -huh. whatever? That limits the number of like numbers the computer can actually understand. And that number of numbers is the number of podcasts. That is so fucking interesting. If you have 64 bit like most of us do, it's two to the 64th. So it's like a re it's it's way more than the number of humans in the world. Whoa. I mean, that is pretty cool. So listeners, you should go check it out and get your own very own. You can get your very own podcast, but don't 
stop downloading Two Girls, One Podcast. I also have a question. I am on a list of um, women in radio, and your podcast actually came up this week, and people were talking about it, and they had one particular question, and I chimed in, and I said, I'm actually interviewing him this week, and I will ask. Funny. They wanted to know what is the accent of that host. I guess it's the voice I just did. The consensus on the email listserv is that the accent is Kristen Schaal. <laughs> funny. Okay, that's funny for a couple of reasons. For one, um, someone else right away uh, mentioned Kristen Schaal. And uh, two, someone else actually reached out to me on Twitter with that, who must have been in the same listserv uh, with the same question. I didn't thought about that. And I love that question because like linguistics was my background and I just love um, dialects and the different American regional dialects. Definitely it's an American voice. Um, I don't know, did you have, or, or do you just mean accent in a general way, not how just? How did you, did, how are the voices formed and how are, how are the accents decided? So the voice comes from um, an Amazon framework called Amazon Poly. And it's just a text-to-speech framework that is like cloud-based. So you send to their server the text that you want to be voiced, and then they send back MP3 files automatically. Wait, So they whoa. have like nine. Yeah, yeah. What? Shut <laughs> Hold on, shut up. Okay, listen. This is Amazon.com. Yeah, this is like everyday stuff. This is Amazon.com. It's more than just books, I've heard. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you send them what you want to be voiced, and they just voice it? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay, so first of all, I'm all I'm also oh, I'm so obsolete right now. I'm so obsolete. I'm I'm still in the fetal position. But also, but do you give them the qualities that you want? Female voice, this kind of accent. Like, do you put that in there? Like, how to? There are so, so there are so many millions of voice types in the world. <laughs> well, you're on the path. So what people want, what you just said, basically, what they have is nine stock voices or twelve or something, and they all sound different, and they even have like a name and uh, an age and a gender, and it's supposed to sound coded to that age and gender. The voice that I have, uh, did you view that as female coded? It sounds like you probably did if you yeah. thought Kristen Schaal. So I did too, yes. that voice is actually called Justin, and it's supposed to be a 12 year old boy. Um, to what? me, it sounds coded like early 20s feminine. Um, yeah. And, but a lot of, did you think it sounded like a kid? Was this no. the source of your nightmares? <laughs> I thought it was a girl that was maybe a little deranged. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a small deranged girl as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's the, I can't control for how people perceive this, but it's the only voice they have that's at all evocative that could work Okay, so their voice to, like, library the is not yet robust. No, it's not. That's great, we still and have jobs, what, what, Jennifer, we still have jobs. <laughs> Oh, you're good for a while. But there's this really cool website that you should check out. It's called Lyrebird, uh, L-Y-R-E-B-I-R-D. And their website is lyrebird.ai. And what you can do is train a synthetic voice that sounds like you. So you just read like 20 sentences 
and then it creates this voice where you can type in arbitrary text and it reads it in the style of you. Oh my God, we're, this is the next episode, wow. guys. I'm just going to type out the show and you guys are off the hook. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, don't even, don't, don't, don't say that, Matthew. No, but I, uh, no, but actually I read about that and that's really creepy because they're worried that people will start to create fake quotes for people. Like in fake news kind of thing. It, it really confuses legal matters because is that like stealing someone's likeness what if you took publicly available examples of them speaking and then typed in the text that transcribes that and then trained the voice like did you take their likeness or does it just happen to sound like them um, for all of this kind of stuff basically lawyers are at work to like decide what the hell this means for copyright and so forth and for things like stealing someone's likeness and yeah, it ties into that whole idea of um, what's lie faking or whatever, which is this idea of like making things sound or look like other people said them when they in fact didn't. Where is the technology at right now, in your opinion, around creating realistic sounding speech patterns, word choice? And do you think it's ever going to get, get to the point where it sounds like real humans talking? And I want to add a little addendum. Will they ever be able to tell jokes? Go on. <laughs> Oh, great question. Let's start with the last one. So there's a whole field of research called computational humor. No! <laughs> so it's about trying to get computers to do this. Uh, it's like one of the hardest areas to work in, in AI. Yes. Like we know that humor doesn't even work across human cultures often <laughs> or across language barriers. True. Um, and across this like ontological barrier of machine in, in, in being, uh, machines basically are really bad at humor right now. So that's really hard, actually. That might be like that's one of the wonderful. hardest problems. Thank you so much. I've uncurled from the fetal position. <laughs> Good. Good to have you back in typical Thank you so much. Sitting position. upright. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as Jen's question, there's basically two parts to that. You're asking uh, when will the selection of what to say get really good? And when will, or, or will, will or if so when, will... Uh, the actual speech itself in as much as it sounds get good. Um, the speech problem is actually an easier one of those two. And that's getting pretty good. So even when you listen to something like Sheldon County with that voice that some people find creepy, uh, certain things that voice says sound pretty good. Um, other things don't and they, they give it away. So that's kind of the state of the art from what I can tell right now is that um, you could maybe isolate like little segments that would sound like a human to someone. They wouldn't know that's a synthetic voice, but over the course of speaking more uh, at a longer duration, there's like tells. So that's just getting better and better. Google's on uh, that right now. They're really working hard to make that better. And their approach is to actually just like generate the waveform of the the audio so they're not even thinking about like the different sounds or letters or anything like that it's just like what is the shape of this audio waveform that sounds like this thing humans recognize as speech so i think speech um could get really good pretty soon the matter of like selecting what to say that's way harder um and you've seen i think for that screenplay you're probably talking about that short film that they actually had the actors yes act out so yeah that's like if you want a computer to decide what to say by itself that's what you're going to get currently 
Um, wow. If you have a human author who's actually like guiding it, like I do with Sheldon County, you can get better prose, but it's less automatic. So that's so interesting about the waveform. And is it possible that at some point uh, AI could actually change language? Like how we naturally as humans do change it over time, <laughs> the way that words are said, sort of like, you know, uh, abbreviating things. And is it possible that- Like the robots huh. will introduce slang? Introduce slang, perhaps something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I never thought of that. Um, again, like they would need to be told to in some kind of way, or you would need to think about why humans make slang and then introduce that kind of like forcing factor into the production of the computer's language. So I think humans, in part, they produce slang and abbreviations in particular to save on effort. That's like a basic idea of one of the we're major so mechanisms lazy. of we're lazy humans are lazy <laughs> but that's kind of like why the species is good because we actually conserve energy for certain things and that's just a way to conserve energy is to like abbreviate so maybe if you told the computer like it's good to conserve your energy uh then the computer would start abbreviating but critically like the other person needs to understand when you <laughs> invent these new uh linguistic you know forms Let's let's not tell them to create slang. I'm just gonna say it right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's not do it. <laughs> I'm curious about any time that some of these uh, characters or interactions in Sheldon County that uh, just have come together in really weird ways that you didn't expect. That's a great question, and that is the real fun of it. Um, for me, the fun is that I've created this world or these worlds, uh, but they still surprise me almost every time. So one thing that happens um, right at the beginning of develop, so I've had kind of a number of different simulations and this one that is this county um, isn't that old. It's like a year old or something like that. So toward the beginning, I was uh, authoring the kinds of actions people can take. And one kind of path I got on was trying to make it so that um, revenge stories could happen. And so there was this case of, it was like, I don't know, 1860 or something in this like little farming town in the county in one of these counties. And there was this husband and wife who were both like incredibly cruel. So characters have personality models. And one facet of that is you can be cruel. And both of these characters were like very cruel. And actually I think they were attracted to each other in part because they had this like shared cruelty. And so as part of being cruel, uh, each of them was like bullying this other adult person in the town that they lived in. So one was like a farmhand that worked for the husband and another was just like another uh, woman who was in the town. So husband and wife are each bullying these other two people and those other two people each had vengeful personality traits. That's another facet of personality. And so the ones who had been bullied uh, each independently decided that they were going to get back at the person who bullied them, either the husband or the wife, by burning down their farmhouse. Oh. And that didn't surprise me because I had put in there that that's like one kind of revenge. Uh, but what surprised me was that they each decided to do it on the same night. Oh my God. And so what ended up transpiring was 
both of these two people that had been bullied and that were vengeful show up at the farmhouse of the husband and wife who were cruel on the same night. And they each look inside and they see the husband and wife are gone. They were like at a tavern and they each set fire to the house. But in doing so, they did not see each other. And uh, somehow they each died in the conflagration in this fire uh, because it just happened to happen at the same night. So it was like this revenge thing that turned into this like wild tragedy of coincidence. And that completely surprised me. I never thought about like it happening (laughs) two people wanting to do the same kind of act of revenge on the same day and thereby actually... Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, killing the other person. Oh my God. And yet you are not scared of Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. It's just a story. So it That sounds, story was crazy. I know. I'm, <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind. I'm really curious about personalities, per- personality profiles. And it sounds to me that your uh, AI would be programmed with a trait like to be cruel or vengeful and then an action behavior would be taken like they would ridicule somebody or, or bully that exactly and then is the, how do you how do you choose the target for that behavior is that random no so um yeah you're basically all the way there so I'm authoring these different kinds of actions people can take certain actions you cannot take unless you have the right personality profile so I can say that you would never hatch a revenge scheme like those two characters did unless you are vengeful, right? But as far as deciding the target of a particular action, and, and they're not all like evil actions like ridicule or hatch revenge or bully. Um, other ones are like give a hug or compliment and so forth. <laughs> Lovely. In any event, um, there's rules that I define for deciding who the target of an action will be. So you don't ridicule someone you like and you don't give a hug to someone you don't like. How would you know, how would they know if they like or don't like someone else? So how the simulation works is really just these actions transpiring. So it goes every day and night in the course of a few hundred years. And on some day, people, uh, first of all, decide what they're going to do that day, where they're going to go. So they go off to work or if they have the day off, or they work at night or whatever, or it's a weekend, they go to you know, the general store in the 1950s, they go to the supermarket or wherever on errands. If it's nighttime, they might go to the tavern or the bar or whatever. So people decide where they want to go. And then once they get there, other characters have also ended up there by their own reasoning. And then characters start taking actions. So the actions you can take depend on your personality, but it may also depend on uh, your affinities for other characters. So affinity is modeled, both romantic and platonic. So let's say one character is really nice, and so they just compliment someone they've never met. Well, that's actually going to change the world, the fact that they did that. And how it could change is that the person they complimented now likes them more. And maybe because they complimented someone, they like them more too. And so they each start to like each other more. And the more they like each other, the more they will interact and potentially a friendship could emerge. So basically actions change how people feel about themselves and about one another. I have a kind of basic question. Is this world finite? How long or could I listen to this podcast forever and it would keep generating it for me? It potentially could, but it would get really boring and repetitive. So every episode that someone will, um, that will depend on how much authoring I can do. So we've talked about how I'm authoring like the simulation, but there's another kind of authoring, which is 
authoring the rules and what you called the elements, which was a great way to say it, for how a podcast, uh, the script of a podcast, if you will, may be composed. So what I'm doing is basically creating a computer program for each kind of episode, if you will. So one kind of episode might be uh, the burning down of that house. So like the, the act of revenge being consummated might be a kind of episode. And another kind might be what led to that happening. And another kind might be the aftermath of that. And so I'm authoring a computer program that defines all the ways you could talk about, for example, the act of revenge actually occurring, depending on, of course, all these different concerns, like what the actual kind of revenge it is, arson or wherever else, um, who the characters are and why this happened and, and what their relationship is and so forth. So I'm, I'm writing these programs that correspond to different kinds of episodes that can appear, but uh, the number of kinds of episodes that can appear are then constrained by the number of these programs I can author. And they just take time. So how many energy. are it's, there currently? Um, there's currently around 10, but some are like uh, rough drafts. Uh, basically what I've done so far is attempted to prove this concept by building out all the technology and doing initial authoring. Uh, now what I'm doing is writing my dissertation and Sheldon County's the last project reported in that. So then uh, once I finish my dissertation, I want to get back to this and, and author as much as I can and maybe even, even bring on um, other writers to help. It, again, it's a kind of writing. It's just a weird kind of writing. But really, I think um, I've joked about it being like infinite, but, but that's really just a joke. And I don't, I don't know if anyone wants infinite media. That's mm -hmm. kind of a harrowing situation, even if it's like the best thing ever. Um, but I, I'm thinking it's going to be the case that it's going to be like a 10 part series. Each episode's like something like 10 parts. Uh, sorry, each series is something like 10 episodes. So you're programming basically all the characters, all the personalities, all the possible um, events kind of, but within a story type. And then there are 10 story types. Is that kind of a way to summarize it? Uh, kind of, but not quite. Right, like if, I was, if I was like a C student, that would be like really... Yeah, really that would solid, be like a C right? plus. Yeah, yeah. B minus, okay, maybe. great. Thank you. Thank uh, you. A plus would be that. So the simulation has all kinds of things that can happen. The podcast is about recounting what happens, and in podcast land is where we get the kinds of episodes and things like that. But those kinds of stories are not the only kinds of stories that can happen in the simulation. So actually, like, there's way more stuff that can happen, way more interesting storylines that can happen in the simulation. But the system that actually generates the podcast just has no way of describing them because its only way of describing stories is in those kinds of episodes. James, I'm curious how much attention you pay to uh, generative and sort of emergent gameplay uh, in video games. Um, everything you described about character traits and then those traits interacting to form emergent storylines, that to a T is how I envision and play games like RimWorld, Dwarf Fortress is probably the big one. Um, these are deeply complex games where uh, societies are simulated and then individual character traits depending on how you play, they, they manifest in the story of the game that you're playing, and it's different every time, depending on the map and the history that's generated. Um, it sounds like exactly what you're doing, but in podcast form. Are you informed by any of that stuff? 
Absolutely, um, particularly Dwarf Fortress. So for example, uh, my personality system is the personality system that Tarn Adams and, and Zach Adams created for Dwarf Fortress. Got it. Um, and actually Tarn's a friend of mine. So I see this as absolutely in that tradition. Um, that tradition sometimes called the roguelike tradition uh, after the 1980 video game Rogue, which would generate its own levels each time uniquely. Um, I actually call this now the dwarf-like tradition, which I don't <laughs> think Tarn's that comfortable with, being the creator of Dwarf Fortress. But it's this kind of tradition that's all about generating story worlds, basically worlds that are on the computer that stories can happen in. And I just see this as an example of doing it for audio-based storytelling as opposed to an interactive video game. Getting back to Jen's point earlier of like the human audience, in a game the human participates and in a podcast or any sort of play or something, usually the, the audience does not participate and does not affect the generated story. Right, right. Yeah, that's a whole nother aspect that I'd like to get to. Originally, I wanted to make interactive radio drama. <laughs> so it was going to be like a uh, procedural uh, Prairie Home Companion. That was the idea <laughs> with these stories from the county. And I guess that, unfortunately, that reference hasn't aged well since this was conceived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but the idea was like you could interrupt the narrator and be like, wait, who is that character? Like, tell me about them. Or you could say what you want to hear next. And it was like this idea of... So the audience could interact, interact with. with the AI, essentially? Exactly. Yeah, that was the idea. That's so it's like someone's cool. telling you a story, but it's conversational. Uh, but that's just way harder to do. So my first step is um, there's no interaction. What is your dissertation in? Or what? Sorry, what are you writing your dissertation on? It's at a high level about computers telling stories. Um, at a higher level of nuance, it's about this thing that I've been trying to articulate, which I understand is like very subtle uh, if you're not living in this world with me. But it's a way that computers could tell stories, which is that there's a world that's being simulated and all these stories can occur in that world. And then later on, another computer program is sifting through everything that ever happens to tell the stories of what happened in that world. And so it's like an act of curation, this mode of computer storytelling. And that's what my dissertation's about. That's so cool. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Thank and you. congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're on the home stretch. I'm halfway done, 250 pages done, probably okay. 250 more to go. Yeah. You have to write a book, you know, <laughs> like out of nowhere. It's pretty wild, but I'm close. And PhDs are crazy too. It's like way too much schooling. <laughs> oh, it really is. And I, I do not encourage anyone to, to follow this path. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. I had fun. Thank, thanks for having me. It was overwhelming. <laughs> I know, Allie, get out of the fetal position. <laughs> So are we going to be replaced? What do we think? You know what? Actually, I like really, truly uncurled. And what was cool about that is it's just there is an opportunity for new forms of art. And that's pretty cool. I think that's cool. Too. I've come around. I've come around. Yeah. And it sounds really like it's co-creating. It's it's human and technology. It's not like the technology could not do it without the human input and the human audience. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some really cool shows that combine technology and art, and that's actually, that's our jam. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. now that I'm no longer frightened, it's actually cool that there's like a new field of art 
Um, and after the revolution, we will all be artists. <laughs> so it's good that there's some new arenas for that so we don't all cram one space. Oh, my God. But, yeah, it seems very much like you need the human agent there. He's sort of like, he's he's the overlord. He is. You know? I, I had a question for him. I, I didn't dare to ask, but I wanted to know if he was AI. Like I, fr- I wrote that down, too, and forgot oh. to ask. I, forgot, I wanted to wrap it up with... Are you human? Because we can't see him. I totally forgot. Plus, I don't think our listeners could hear this, what but he was a little voip. He was a little voipy. His voice sounded a little ro- every now and then. Yeah, he wasn't a human. There was a weird oh my voip. god, we just spoke to David Blaine. <laughs> That's what just happened. Definitely. God damn it! You know what? We just had yeah. our very first interview with a robot. <laughs> interview with the vampire. Interview it was with the robot. Good. It was pretty good. He was. <laughs> He was very, we did the Vampire Zoo. Listen to that episode, folks. Uh, Yeah, he was really an articulate robot. I, um, yeah, yeah, it's very, (laughs) the programming was well paced. Agreed, agreed. This is it, guys. We're just in the simulation and they would obviously, are you a robot? No, of course not. Yeah. Right. I mean, the same way David Blaine says he's a human, but he doesn't bleed. He's a robot. Right. Not that many people seem so concerned with the fact that he doesn't bleed. Like, that's not, (laughs) just call yourself an illusionist. Yeah, wow. Speaking of, I, I read a thought experiment uh, gearing up for today's trivia because I was looking for topics about AI. And there, I forget what it's called. It's called, uh, or it's like the basilisk or something. It's just this concept where um, when the AI overlords take over, they will have this record of everything that humanity has done before. And anyone who either tried to prevent the AI or didn't contribute to the AI becoming powerful, would they, they would face retribution. Wow. You know what? If you, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. I was just going to say, I sure. think you're really cool because you read thought experiments. That's not like a normal thing that people do. You just like to read thought experiments. It's Wednesday, I was reading the thought um, experiments. Well, have we contributed or are we going to be, uh, where are we going to have revenge taken upon us? Right. Will yeah. we be rewarded yeah. in heaven? Well, we always like assume... Yeah, I guess I'm, I, we assume that there will be that they will be programmed to be vengeful. To go back to our interview, yes. But he said Whereas some are programmed maybe, to give hugs. I think they should all be programmed to give hugs. Yeah, first. <laughs> oh yeah they God. should just be programmed. They should all be sex bots. Let them all be sex bots. <laughs> May they all be programmed to fuck. Oh my God! And then cuddle. Is that May your they bi- all be programmed to be big spoon? Is that your biblical voice, Ali? <laughs> Yep. May they all be big spoons. All the robots will be big spoons. It's not so much uh, programming for vengeance. It's more like imagine if you as a consciousness, you looked down and, and saw a bunch of tiny people that created you. And one some of the people were like, no, this you shouldn't exist. And the other people were like, yay, you're the greatest. You're our god. Like, which one would you reward and which one would you punish yes but again he's not about vengeance it's about no he said that they were able to burn down that farmhouse because they were programmed to be vengeful and that other characters couldn't have done it because they were not programmed to be vengeful right right right. i'm just saying like uh, at the point of singularity yeah i think anyone who wants to murder god and their creator repercussions (laughs) there too you know yeah well it's this it's this notion if you think theologically of like God made us to be in his image and made us to be good people, but what do we do? We just fuck it up and sin. And yeah, but now you're talking stuff. about like, real, the the human idea of God, and now we're just real off right. track. 
Well, I don't know. I think there's correlations here. There, I mean, apparently he loves us anyway. If that's you know your jam, so I don't. Well, <laughs> right. we love the AI anyway, even when they're no. Will they our love houses. us anyway? That's the. Will they love oh, well, us? I'm sorry. Right. Will they love us? Yeah, even. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, no, yes, loves, they will the love creator. us because they will only be programmed to hug and fucking big spoon. But there will be some fucking. A socially weird tech bro who's like, it'll be so fun if we program them to be assholes. And that's where it all comes from. (laughs) Well, less about love and vengeance and assholedom and more like they'll be so far above us that they will look at us as if we were ants and be like, "Uh, we don't love or hate you. Just get out of the fucking way. We're we're busy here. You know, that's what I think it's going to be. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say there's so many humans in the world. Could there ever be that many robots? But there are so many more ants than people, I would imagine. So, yes. You are sure. Right. How many ants are there? Exactly the How many ants? How many ants are in the world, world, listeners? What do you think? We need to Google this. 12 or 13. If you know, tweet us at Allie Gold. Just kidding. Um, I mean, not really. But, yeah, I'm just really interested also in um, the idea of interacting with AI, like how he was saying that there would be an AI host that listeners could interact with. I just think that actually there are some, yeah, I'm on board with, like, the things that Jen and I could create, you know? That we could participate in. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, guys. All right. Well, I don't know how to feel, uh, but if you guys want to share your feelings with us, we would love to hear from you. Because you're a robot. I don't know how to feel. (laughs) <laughs> she is a robot, but she's been programmed with specific emotions mm-hmm. and ways to interact yeah, in the world. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So, yeah. go on. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, we would love to hear what you think about all of this um, and where you think we're headed with artificial intelligence and especially within the realm of the arts. You can be in touch with us. Yes, you can. Uh, where can we do that, Allie? Yes, you can. <laughs> well, you can tweet me at Allie Gold. Tweet me at Junebugger. Or Jen. You can email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can even call us and leave us a voicemail with your real voice, not your synthesizer voice. Um, and that phone number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And you can find us in a chat room, guys. Oh my God, yeah, that's true. You can chat, chat, chatty with us. Ali, you've been... Chat, chatting it up. I need to. I, I've been a little delinquent. I'm, I'm going to be in that chat room today, though. It's discord.gg backslash yeah, so 2g1p. Join <laughs> right now. I'll be there. Discord.gg slash 2g1p. And finally, we would love if you would consider contributing to our Patreon uh, to keep us going. It's patreon.com slash 2g1p. And you know what else? We would love to hear um, new topic ideas and who you would, who you want to hear us interview. Uh, again, all the only thing in common with all the people that we interview and in the episodes is that it's something that we found on the internet and then we contact them and hear what it's about so if there's a specific person or project or community that you think we should take a look at a subculture let maybe us know we should interview you let us know maybe we should maybe we should i don't know why a gen why i'm so creepy about it but i'm on board maybe we'll interview you <laughs> all right Good guys we'll, we'll talk to you next time see ya is hosted by Jennifer Damula and Allison Goldberg and ejected into the cold black void of the internet. I mean edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. If
If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about it. Even if your only friend is the voice assistant on your phone, I'm sure she'll love it. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait. What's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Okay, I gotta get into my, my voice for a second. Okay. Oh, okay, y'all, y'all, I've got it. All right. Looking for four or five, four or five. Um.